Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. You're with Sophie Guy, and today I'm speaking with Dan Moss about a set of practice positions that have been developed by the Emerging Minds National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health. Dan is the Workforce Development Manager at Emerging Minds and has previously worked as Assistant Director of Performance, Reporting and Evaluation at the Department for Child Protection, as well as working for 15 years as a practitioner, supervisor and senior manager across a range of services at Uniting Communities. As a practitioner, Dan has a strong interest in narrative and strengths-based engagement strategies for working with children, parents and families. Well, thank you very much, Dan, for coming and agreeing to have a conversation with me today. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work at Emerging Minds? Yeah, so I've had a long history of working both as a practitioner, but also a manager and and in senior management roles in um, NGO and, and child protection services. And the practice work that I've done has always been with the most disadvantaged children and their families. And the challenge for me in practice, I think for a long time, was to work with people who have been affected by intergenerational disadvantage, um, violence and trauma, as well as poverty, who might come in and, and meet with me or meet with my team members with a view of themselves, which is not always particularly hopeful which often um, because of uh, external or socio-political experiences has been negative or hopeless or feeling a lack of uh, agency and being able to make changes for children or families. And so my challenge really in every role that I've ever had has been how to, to make plans with children and their families to kind of really create a sense of hopefulness and an alternative story for children and their families. And so just over 12 months ago, the Workforce Development Manager role came up at Emerging Minds and and, um, really instantly resonated with me because of the strong values that the project has around children's mental health and more broadly than that, children's and families' social and emotional wellbeing. I was really impressed looking at some of the products that have been developed in in the organisation's past around how they were able to see mental health as more than just uh, an um, individual deficit uh, example and to see um, the child's ecology and all of the things that affect um, particularly disadvantaged children and their families. Um, I really liked the way that they'd begun to build products which helped practitioners to keep the child visible in really practical um, and easy to follow ways. And also that um, they didn't stigmatise or shame the parent unnecessarily, that mm-hmm. um, understood that if we were going to make changes to children's long-term um, mental health and social and emotional well-being, we really had to make uh, changes to, to the family environment and really help and support um, parents and um, extended family. Great. And we've met today to discuss the National Workforce Centre for child mental health practice positions that have been developed. Can you tell me why it it seemed important or necessary to develop these practice positions? So when I first came to Emerging Minds, 
a lot of work had been done both at Emerging Minds and previously through the organisation's predecessor, which was uh, Children and Parents with Mental Illness, collaboratively with both researchers, practitioners and people with lived experience around the particular practices that helped keep the child front and centre in any um, either adult-focused or child-focused service. Now what um, I understand and, and what I've since experienced came back from all three segments including research, practice and people with lived experience was the same basic principles just supported in evidence are so important to practice. So curiosity if we take that as an example it's such an important thing for anyone that works walks into a professional service. Look at a parent who is disadvantaged, often facing adversity, um, is not always as confident as they would like to be in supporting their child in the right way. The ability of the, a practitioner to be able to extend a sense of curiosity and goodwill to them in those first moments of practice is something that we regularly hear in our service. So really, even though the, the practice positions by themselves are, are not rocket science in a sense, the building blocks that inform all of the work that we do so we do a lot of work with Artist Made Productions who uh, is, we've developed a partnership with who develop much of the e-learning and creative work that we do. And working with them, we wanted to devise a way which provided a framework for all of the products that we produced within the National Workforce Centre for Children's Mental Health. And so that not only we could have this internal um, organising mechanism, but also that we could stand for something, that we could be very upfront with all sorts of practitioners around what we stand for as an organisation, not just because we've plucked these positions out of the sky, but because they're what people tell us. They're what practitioners tell us that they're challenged by every day to remember these six positions. They're what people who walk into services tell us that they most want professionals to be able to remember and they're also what research is telling us works to engage families. Okay rather than go into a description of all the practice principles I wonder if you could just list them and perhaps reflecting on your own practice experience talk a bit about um, one of them perhaps or one or two that from your perspective are the most important or the most challenging? Yeah, the practice positions are child, um, child aware and parent sensitive practice. They're about holding contextual understanding of the child and family's life. They're about respect and they're also about providing a strength and hopeful practice with children and families. And perhaps the, the overarching um, position within all of those is child aware and parent sensitive practice. Really that is the, the primary um, concern that, that the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is really all about. It's about making sure that the child is visible. For example, if an adult comes into an, adult and, uh, an alcohol and other drug service around a sense of um, previous adversity with addiction, it's really our job to support that practitioner in every instance, to inquire through a curious framework about does that adult have any children? What's their relationship like with their child? 
Does the, the child still live with them? If so, what's the relationship like? What are they most like about their, their relationship with their child? What sort of influence does their current adversity have on that relationship? And, and most importantly, what can be done to actually improve the, the child's um, outcomes? And specifically, um, his or her social and emotional well-being, and ultimately their mental health. So for us, that's really the primary uh, target of our work that we're wanting to attend to. Mm -hmm. And having that as our first practice position helps keep that priority um, front in mind. Not only in all of the content that we develop, but in all of the consultations that we have as a workforce centre with the many different um, professionals across many different sectors who we work with. Mm -hmm. And would you say, is there one that stands out to you more personally in your professional experience? Hmm. Or is that the one, the parent sensitive and child aware? Yeah, I mean, I think they all get used really interchangeably. But yeah. if I had to um, think of one that stands out for me as a really um, significant challenge in parent and child work, it's having contextual understandings of what's happening in the child's life and the family's life. Mm -hmm. And while that is so such a challenge, I think, it's because as the many different sectors who work both in a statutory and health responsiveness to, to parents and their children, it's often our job to make really quick assessments. Assessments around whether a child's safe, assessments around whether a parent is fit or unfit. We're a very assessment-based sector or sectors. Mm -hmm. And I think a practitioner or a professional's ability to be able to take the time to build a sense of context around what's going on for a child and what's going on for a parent can be so significant in the long-term outcomes for that family. Many of our child and family partners tell us of a one example where they've walked in to see a psychiatrist or a GP or a counsellor or a social worker and that contextual understanding has been uncovered, which has been able to uncover uh, a, an ethic or a hope or a strength, which has, has really kind of been the beginning of a plan or a different or an alternative sense of the family self and what they can achieve for the social and emotional well-being of their child. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one that, that particularly resonates for me and, and one that I think we've got a, a continued amount of work to do um, when we're kind of working with practitioners around the many different um, and, and immediate challenges they face in their particular context. And what does it look like to explore the context of a child and a family? Hmm. So there's many different contexts. Uh, for example, at the moment, one of the big pieces of work that the, the National Workforce Centre is doing is looking at um, is cultural contexts. So looking at the different um, beliefs or ethics that might affect um, families because of the, uh, the history uh, and the traditions of their cultures and what it might mean uh, where practitioners make the space to be able to let that exist within a room, within all of the busyness and the hustle of bustle of everything else that happens, what would it mean if we could support practitioners to open space for those conversations, to have parents talk about what the history of that culture might mean and how that might be helpful for them in, in making changes in their relationships or their routines or their communication that they have with their children.
Mm-hmm. Um, how might that be used to, to kind of start to devise a plan for better outcomes for children? So I think at the moment that's um, certainly a, a strong focus of our project, mm-hmm. particularly in our work with Aboriginal communities, families and children. Um, we recognise that um, as far as uh, children's mental health, there's uh, a lot of work to be done in being able to join with Aboriginal communities and um, professionals and experts in being able to develop support mechanisms for mainstream practitioners within this space. Okay, and um, I'm thinking from the perspective of someone working in a service, maybe a manager or a practitioner, and probably what the reality is for them, they feel very under pressure, under the pump, perhaps, um, you know, funding pressures of greater at the moment, I don't know. Um, But, you know, everyone feels busy, everyone's got their client load, and there's a lot of sort of different programs or, you know, new ways of working that come through the door. Why would a practitioner or service want to know about our principles? Can you tell yeah. me a bit more about why they're, they're relevant, why they're important? Well, I think our experience is that um, organisations and services and practitioners want to get better at the work that they do. They want to feel that um, when they work with um, disadvantaged children and their families, that there's a better chance that there are going to be um, good outcomes for that child. And so there's a real, I think, thirst out there for the micro skills of ensuring that that happens or making the best chance for that family that um, good outcomes will happen. And the thing about the practice positions is that we are not asking practitioners to substitute what they're currently doing with these positions. So, for example, we used the, the example of a AOD practitioner before who might use motivational interviewing or CBT. We're not asking them to discard those practice modalities. What we're asking them to do is use the six practice positions in a way which helps to support consistent practice that keeps the child visible within their service delivery. So we kind of feel like that's not an overburdensome thing to do. It might mean thinking about an assessment um, process and changing a couple of the questions. It might be um, having some processes in reflective supervision, which ensures that practitioners are regularly attending to the relationship between children and their parents. It may be looking at the, the processes that practitioners use around motivational interviewing to ensure that there's always a, an opportunity for parents to talk about how their relationship with their child is a primary motivating factor in them wanting to make some changes in their lives. You're listening to an Emerging Minds podcast. In the day-to-day business of sitting down with family, parents, children, what do you think gets in the way for practitioners of applying? Because uh, these are going to be familiar, I imagine, to a majority of practitioners um, and they probably will recognise that they're important ways of practising. But obviously there's things that get in the way of them being able to do that. What are some of these challenges, do you think? Yeah, that's a really good question and and we've um, in the National Workforce Centre have done some needs analyses with um, a whole lot of different sectors around what does get in the way and we get really common responses around busyness, around the sense that children and families now with 
come to services with uh, many more uh, um, coexisting needs than they ever have before. We also get reports that there's not always the time for reflective supervision or training and development and just the time limited and busy aspect of, of professionals' lives. So these are the things that, that can really get in the way of child aware and parent sensitive um, practice. The other thing that professionals across the board have told us uh, really honestly is that there can be a, a confidence gap where children's work is not a specialty for a particular practitioner. So there's a, a sense that they might not want to ask a particular question, they might not want to open a particular can of worms for the fear that they're not going to respond um, to that as effectively as they might like. So really it's incumbent on um, our centre to be able to work with those practitioners to uncover those confidence gaps. Um, practitioners have certainly asked us um, if we can be um, supporting them through, through particular questions, examples of questions and examples of micro skills which will allow for conversations with parents in particular which are non-stigmatising and non-judgmental but at the same time they do attend to the social and emotional well-being of their children. Mm -hmm. So what does help practitioners feel more confident to have these conversations and apply these principles, do you think? Yeah. So from the, the information that we get from many different practitioners, it's often about being able to take a step back from the expert role that practitioners are uh, most often thrust into. And um, child and family partners tell us this. It's not the immense skill or immense ability to diagnose that they talk to us about. It's the ability to provide um, an opportunity for human connection, to step away from that expertness for a second, for example, and have a really curious conversation around the difficulties that um, someone might be having with children or um, the hopes and the strengths that are relevant in a particular family. How, how might every member of the family know about this? So often practitioners, uh, when they're thinking really heavily about these six practice positions, they will tell us that they're able to, to develop a framework where they are able to, to step out of that kind of expert or more centred understanding of their work towards an understanding where this family are the best people to talk about what works for them. They're the best people to talk about what are the challenges for them, what gets in the way of children's um, positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. And it's through these really human connections and generative conversations that these stories come to the fore that the expertness of, of the family comes to the fore in ways which make um, a huge difference, not only to the children and the families that go to services, but also to the professionals themselves. These conversations are motivating, deeply motivating and inspirational and uh, very hopeful um, for practitioners. Okay. I also wanted to ask you about how the practice positions are currently being used in Emerging Minds work at the moment. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I touched on a little bit before. We wanted to really um, build a, a scaffold for practitioners, both the very entry point of their careers or their practice, where um, they, they might be really interested in some more fundamental content or products. 
um, right up to um, practitioners who have been working for a long time or who are very confident in their practice, but just want to extend upon their, their practice, want to extend, for example, on how to have curious conversations through a particular um, evidence-based framework. Um, and so within the workforce development team, these practice positions have really been a strong organising principle for us to scaffold content, whether that be e-learning, whether that be toolkits, whether that be practice papers, through um, fundamental kind of basic understandings of, of children's mental health to much more develop conversations, for example, um, in a family violence setting where um, you might be working with, with a father who's perpetrated violence and wanting to have curious conversations around his understandings of what that's meant for his children. So um, I think it's allowed us to work uh, with a broad range of professionals across a, a broad range of skills, confidences and competences. Um, for the national to local team, I think that these practice positions are what they live and breathe. Not only for what they're looking for from, from practitioners, but what they expect of themselves. So these ideas around curiosity and collaboration uh, and contextual understandings, for example, these are what national local team and our consultants take with them in any consultancy with any professional because they're wanting to come from a sense of, of curiosity and not knowing. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like that we have all the answers and we go into services and we tell them this information and then they just change and, and things are better. Mm -hmm. It's a much more um, intricate and co-design type process than that. And I think that these practice positions are important and supportive of our consultants in working in the way that um, supports their own worldviews. Okay. For practitioners or people working in services who are interested to read these practice positions and familiarise themselves with them or perhaps access some of our resources that have used them, where can people go? What, what do we have to offer? Yeah, so our website, Emerging Minds, has a broad range of products at the moment from e-learning products to, as we said, um, toolkits, practice positions, podcasts such as this and, and webinars. And so we've reached out to a, a large number of professionals across the nation because of that and, and um, are regularly looking for their feedback. So really, um, we're looking for any professional who's interested either in the practice positions or any other aspect of our work to, to give us a call or send us an email and engage in, in a, a conversation around children's mental health. One of the things that we're really um, keen to do is have this be an open dialogue um, and even the practice positions be in an open dialogue. It may be that they become a dynamic resource over time. Um, one of the things that we're doing currently with all of our pieces of work is running focus groups and, and intensive evaluations after they've finished. So for us, it's not just producing, for example, an e-learning course and putting it out there and see what happens. It's ensuring that that course is being um, useful and supportive in child-aware and, and um, parent-sensitive practice. For lots of our products, there's, there's really good um, examples of the way that is being used. But there are also ways that practitioners tell us that, that we could improve that um, things could be a little bit more accessible for them. And we're certainly mm -hmm. trying to be as, as reactive to that as, as possible. 
The other thing that we're really trying to do, um, as we mentioned, is, is really extend upon that really rich tradition of Cockney in um, having child and family partners, people with lived experience of adversity, and service provision as being front and centre in the work that we do. Um, and this certainly means that there's a group, a really um, strong group of those who we who work with really intensively to ensure that um, they're involved in, in the planning, the design and the review of our processes and our products. But we're also always looking to extend that network and uh, we continue to extend that network as we go into new sectors and, and think about new issues. But we're really keen always to have people with, with lived experience of adversity, either children, families, parents, to get in contact with us and, and for us to continue the, this conversation because, uh, as I mentioned, we don't know everything we need to know about children's mental health yet. We're a long way off that, we know a lot more than we used to and we're applying that knowledge in, in really innovative and creative ways, we think, but um, there's lots of work um, to do in that space and the only way we can get better is, is to ask um, both the people that are receiving those services um, and also the people that provide those services for their advice. And what resources are available on our website right now that have these practice positions that practitioners could access. Is there anything, any go-to resources? Yeah, so um, the last two e-learning resources that we've produced feature the practice positions really strongly. So the first one of those is Engaging Parents, an introduction, and that really looks at any practitioner who's working in an adult-focused service, really supports them to use the six practice positions to have introductory conversations with an adult in an adult-focused service around, firstly, are they a parent, and then uh, if they are a parent, having some really useful and proactive conversations around how they're their story of adversity might be affecting um, their relationship with their parent or, or with their child or might be uh, affecting what they hope or what they want for their child. And so that's about a two-hour course which will be followed up early this year by a subsequent uh, Engaging Parents course called Engaging Parents in Context. And the second course, which has heavily featured the practice positions, has been Supporting Children's Resilience in General Practice. And that was a course which uh, is a culmination of many years of work, really, with GPs, including focus groups, working with, with particular um, GPs around what was currently the reality in their practice and, and how practice positions might help them take a very strong preventative stance with every parent who came into their, their rooms. And we used the practice positions to come up with a series of resources for GPs which they could use in a practical sense to start to discuss with parents who come into consults with their own physical or mental um, adversity and um, really start to focus on some of the things that they might be able to do where children were being affected by that adversity. So that is another course that has also been strongly influenced by the voices of service providers who have, who have been uh, to see GPs um, and both those, those um, people with lived experiences who have had really 
positive child-focused experiences with GPs, but also those those um, people who have some kind of critical feedback around their experience, who who felt that maybe there were opportunities to be asked more questions around the, the social and emotional well-being of their child within a, a GP consult. So we're really uh, we're really proud of where that that course has got to, and uh, we're certainly hopeful um, that starts to to get used in a number of GP practices and. Uh, We'll, we'll be continuing to monitor the effectiveness of, of the resources that we've developed. Okay, great. We'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much, Dan, for coming in and having a conversation with me. Thanks, Sophie. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, led by Emerging Minds and delivered in partnership with the Australian Institute of Family Studies, the Australian National University, the Parenting Research Centre and the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. The National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.